What's up? Welcome into today's OER Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We are following up the national championship game. And if you watch that game, man, an ultimate choke job by North Carolina. It's a 15-point halftime lead. You hate to see it, but maybe you don't. I don't know. So whatever your flavor is, just a tough choke job from the uh, Tar Heels there. Championship was in their grasp. But anyway, we talk about the Browns on this pod, and we don't have a ton of crazy things to talk about. The Browns did make one splash move yesterday, which is sign a punter. Corey B. Yorquez, the, the, the punter from, he's been in Green Bay a little bit. Listen, we're going to talk about tough last names to pronounce. B. Yorquez is how you pronounce his last name. I messed up yesterday's podcast. If you listen to the Monday uh, Monday Quick Hitter, I was talking about the article I wrote on Ethan Posich. Okay, so um, he's his last name's spelled P-O-C-I-C, which a lot of people pronounce it Pochich. It's actually for phonetic spelling is P O H Z I K Ethan Pozik. Okay. So use that understanding of name pronunciation. Ethan Pozik would not have guessed it was spelled that way. Sorry, uh, pronounced that way after looking at the spelling. And then obviously the tough one with, uh, Corey B. Yorquez that came in to punt. We think it might be a two year deal according to our Brad Stainbrook. So that does indicate the Browns are going to invest in him and, it puts to bed a lot of the uh, mock draft punter selections that we have seen pop up over the last, I don't know, we've done these now for three months. A lot of punter selections have happened. Does not obviously roll out a kicker as they have an absence at kicker, but they did, I think, do pretty well here with uh, with the punter. You know, Bjorquez is, uh, I think if I'm looking at it correctly from last year's punter rankings, he checked in in the top third of the league in terms of what he was able to do as as far as netting a positive EPA for his team. So I put it up on the uh, OBR Film Breakdown Twitter page at the OBR Film BDN, which has Puntalytics, which look at all of the aspects around punting. So it looks at punter EPA for 2021 with a minimum of 27 punts. Down at the very bottom, fourth from last, was Jamie Gillen last year with a over negative uh, 0.1, just two spots out in front was Dustin Colquitt, who they brought in. Up above the zero EPA mark, all the way up to, uh, if we go down, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eighth in the league last year for Green Bay was Bjorquez, who finished strong um, and, and obviously is a, a positive EPA punter. We don't want to use the punter much but a positive EPA punter, which is a step in the right direction for the punting game and eliminates, like I said, eliminates a lot of the um, <laughs> the looming discussion around whether they would draft a punter. And we had discussions about the earliest point at which we've seen them taken in the NFL draft, so on and so forth. So we can put that to bed a little bit with a two-year deal. It does indicate a commitment. We'll see if there's any guaranteed dollars. But like I said, it does indicate some sort of serious commitment to him until we get the finite details. So a little more about Bjorquez here. He broke in the league with Buffalo in 2018 at 22 years old. He had a nice run with Buffalo where he actually uh, led the NFL in average yards per punt in 2020. Then he signed with the Rams uh, after, sorry, before the 2021 season, signed with the Rams. And then after a training camp battle with Johnny Hecker, the Rams decided to ship him off to Green Bay, keep Hecker, Obviously, Hecker, one of the better punters in the league. 
They shipped him off uh, to to the Packers with a 2023 seventh round pick uh, from the Lions, and the Packers gave back a 2023 sixth. So that's where they got the return that they did that we know about. Uh, just a little bit more on the punting aspect of what he's done. Um, in 2021, he averaged 46.5 yards on 53 punts. He also had the longest punt in the league, an 82-yarder. Posted some clips of his punts on the OBR Film Breakdown page. You can check that out. You can also read the story. He's actually going to be... I should also mention, too, Bjorkwes spent some time with the Patriots as a practice squad guy. He becomes the second punter on Cleveland's roster. I don't know if you know this or not, but the Browns went out and brought in Joseph uh, Charlton. Uh, the uh, former Panthers punter. Uh, so Charlton's on the futures deal, nothing solidified. So this two-year deal for uh, Bjorquez obviously indicates what the Browns are going to do. And according to somebody I talked to who was connected in Buffalo, a little bit of Intel says that he's got a fantastic leg, can really boom it, one of the better legs in the NFL, uh, but can have inaccuracy issues. So he's not a, a great accurate short field punter which again the Browns don't love to short field punt so it might not be a big deal and probably why they viewed it that way they really want a guy who can flip the field they have not had a guy who can consistently flip the field like that uh, as we've seen from uh, Gillen who was so inconsistent and Colquitt had a pretty weak leg relative to his peers and then I've heard mixed reviews about how he is as a holder so we'll see if that got better after Buffalo uh, if it got better in LA or if it got better in um if it got better in Green Bay too, just something to monitor. I've heard mixed reviews about how he is as a holder. But what you should know, strong leg. The Browns are trying to fix the punting situation. They got a guy in his mid-20s here, tons of NFL experience, a nice leg, can really get after it. Hopefully we'll flip the field and do well uh, in the weather in Cleveland. Uh, otherwise, things on the site, we have uh, that, that Ethan Posich film room, which you should check out. And then uh, another mock draft up. You should check that out today as we continue to do that. We have a fun, exciting idea coming with 20 prospects in 20 days. That's right around the corner. And then we have some great content on edge players coming up throughout the rest of the week. So check out the website for that. Otherwise, guys, still not a lot of news. Pretty boring. Talking about a lot of similar topics that we've talked about. It's going to be a long run up to this draft because we don't have a first round pick. We don't, you know, we're kind of guessing about pick 44 going to still do dueling mocks this week check that out i'm going to share monday's twitch interview i did on the obr monday show here uh, with ian mcbride where i answered some questions on Clowney baker uh, and a couple other topics uh, that i think are still pertinent here so i'm going to share that episode right now uh, i won't be back at the end of this so this is the end of my little bit for today enjoy the uh interview on the obr twitch make sure you join the obr twitch and give us a follow and a subscription let's get there now we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, bringing in now the film guy, Jake Burns. Jake, welcome to the show. We're going to round this out with a couple of questions that I had ready uh, that I wanted to uh, that I wanted to touch on. But uh, how are you doing today? How, how is how is everything in the, in the world of Jake Burns. <laughs> Everything's good, man. It's good. It's, uh, it's busy as usual. Um, trying to kind of map out where, where we take our coverage for the OBR, a couple different ideas rattling around. I know we're all talking about, but yeah, good, excited for, uh, tonight's show. And, and, um, you know, this exciting month of sports really, it's the best month of sports and yeah, in, uh, in the year every year. Cause there's just so many good things happening. So yeah, we'll get that. the, uh, We've got the, the national championship coming up here tonight. Uh, shortly, we should see the Cleveland Cavaliers back in the playoffs. They will have to uh, likely earn that spot uh, in the play-in. Uh, I think they're a couple of, you know, two and a half games back with, what, like four or five left to play. So mm-hmm. uh, it'll be fun to see that. I think that I think this team is built for the playoffs. I'm, I am I am ready to watch the Cavs uh, in the playoffs. It's going to be fun. OG Philly gifting five tier subs to the community. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Yoten one two five. George Jorge or Jim uh, Rip Langstead Dog GLB and Captain Jet Gonzo. Thank you uh, for joining us today. You guys got subs courtesy of OG Philly. Make sure to give OG Philly some thanks in the chat. Let's uh let's get to the big question I had for you. We talked a lot about Jadavion Clowney with Fred earlier. Uh, Paul De Podesta, the guy in the front office, he was part of the Moneyball. He was half of whatever uh, character Jonah Hill played. That was a you know composite character. <laughs> Peter but Brand, I, right? Isn't that yeah, it? Peter Brand or something like that. Yeah. It was it was De Podesta and somebody else. But um, so they talked in in Moneyball, the movie. Uh, pretty good movie. I'm not, mm-hmm. not amazing. Pretty good movie. They talked about when they lost Giambi. Okay, we can't replace him. We have to recreate him in the aggregate, uh, which mm-hmm. means try to complete, you know, try to assemble multiple people who can do the same things he can do, um, even if they're if they're not going to do them all at the same time to kind of replicate that. If you look at the edge group right now in free agency, it's Judavion Clowney and then a giant drop off. So, what would the Browns do in in the event that they miss on Clowney? How would they recreate Jadavion Clowney in the aggregate? How would they best kind of try to replicate what they did with him last year? Well, you start to break it up from every down guys to rotational players, right? Can you can you do it that way? Can you say maybe we can't pay Clowney twelve million, but maybe we can pay a run stopping strong side edge who's out there for predominantly run snaps? Maybe we can pay him five million and pay another pseudo pass rush specialist something along the lines of like i don't know seven or eight million that's that's the that's the thought process Ian. so you know much like platooning in baseball right you kind of made a point about Moneyball. those guys will try to split up lefties and righties and try to get the best matchup and all of that i think the browns would be served well to try to do something similar um given their situation trying to replace Connie because Clowney can do it all if he's healthy and we saw this healthy version of him last year it was pretty dang good. 
So Clowney's essentially saying, I prefer to sit the market out until the very end. I know most of the guys who matter will be signed by April, and I will be the lone remaining player there who makes a difference, right? And yeah. I can maybe get some team to be proactive and come after me and uh, end up paying me something more than maybe what I would have gotten if I signed right away. So a reminder, I keep saying this as I talk about Clowney. He didn't sign until April 14th last year. So we're not out of the expected range, in my opinion, of Clowney signing for any NFL team, not just Cleveland. So um, still within the parameters there. But you got to look at a bunch of, just like we talk about last week or the week before many, many times, um, we talk about how they have a ton of free agent options on the interior D line. Those veteran guys who have, who have maybe just kind of slowed down a little bit, maybe have not been performing at as well because of some injuries or something. I think, uh, the two Chicago guys, Eddie Goldman and Akeem Hicks are great examples. Clay's Campbell saw There's a lot of talent still in the market, but yeah, anyway, I think there's just as many good veteran options kind of floating out there too. If you look at Justin Houston, um, you know, a guy who was with Pittsburgh last year, uh, and then obviously um, didn't work in Pittsburgh and goes to KC and has a really nice run in KC, Melvin Ingram, another one. Justin Houston was just with Baltimore, had a pretty nice fit, probably more of a 3-4 guy. But again, yeah. if you're looking for role players, he had a nice grade, uh, 19th out of 108 qualifying edge players. He had a 13 war, a .13 war, which is a great number. Um, he's available. I continue to be stunned that Jerry Hughes, even though Jerry Hughes will play this year, some of the year at 34 years old, he has continued to produce and put up good numbers. He's the kind of leading candidate for me if they if they can't get Clowney in terms of trying to find a guy who can still give you those those uh, those high quality snaps against both phases. So Jerry Hughes is out there. I know Jason Pierre-Paul had a bad year last year, but he had the two previous seasons, and I mean it was a bad year had been yeah. a productive player still for Tampa Bay. And um, otherwise, then you start to get even more uh, bargain bin with, I think, like Rasheem Green is still floating out there from Seattle. And then um, I think I think you're kind of getting into players hurt like Tack McKinley. So there's like six guys, I think, that are out there that you can get something from. So if you go into the year saying, okay, Winovich is going to be our rotational guy, we're going to try to recreate Tack with him, and then we can – uh, you know, essentially try to replace two players for Clowney. You start, okay, can we draft a guy like a Logan Hall at 44 or, uh, you know, Cameron Thomas, or uh, will somebody be there that you can bank on in the future? Maybe like David Ajabo slips because of his yeah. injury, or, you know, I know that doesn't help solve our 2022 quarrel we're talking about here, but, you know, you start to look at edge options that are potentially there and, you land on those guys, Drake Jackson from USC, a part of the the, the two Drake draftable USC players. Uh, he's young still. There's a lot of solid uh, options out there, and I know Corey Kennan is going to write on that for us this week about picks 44 and 78, but also some late round like Alex Wright from UAB type targets who are fun players who could be there and be a part of a two-man group. So if you signed uh, you know, a Melvin Ingram or you signed a Justin Houston, so on and so forth, you can still draft a guy that could be the other part of that equation. So you don't have to necessarily go out and trade for, or sorry, go out and sign two people, right? Um, two veterans. But yeah, I mean, I'm not, I, I would love to have Clowney back. I think we'd all feel a little bit better, but 
it's not the end of the world. It, I mean, it really isn't because, you know, with, with Clowney, who had a great year last year, you just, you know, you never know about the health year to year, especially at a volatile position like that. So you, you start to question some things there in terms of he may end up playing a healthy season. He may not. And it's just, you're running a risk. So I, again, yeah. I'm not, I'm not missing the point that we'd all like to have a player of Clowney's talent back, but you can, you can certainly recreate a, a version of the production you got from him with a couple different people. Yeah. Let's talk about that draft spot. Uh, 44 uh, is currently the pick for the Browns. Uh, is there anybody say late first round, if you see somebody who is projected maybe mid first fall into the late first that you could see uh, the Browns looking up for moving. Uh, let's, let's remove the dream of George Karloff. Just, uh, I saw Daniel Jeremiah had him dropped to 18th overall, which makes you think, Oh, maybe he drops to 25, but I think that's, that's, I don't think JOK happens two years in a row. I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. But uh, is there anybody else uh, you think the Browns might be looking at moving up for uh, in that late first round if they uh, if if they happen to fall? Yeah, good question. And one I think we're all going to be paying attention to and seeing if they get sort of hungry there. My mind immediately goes into the wide receivers because we still haven't seen. I know there have been some, some um, you know, fuller rumors and, and a couple big name receivers hit the market sort of air quotes hit the market with Brandon cooks and DK Metcalf being talked about as, as far as being trades uh, surrounding their name, but we don't have any answer at wide receiver. And even though they added Amari Cooper, who we all like and Jakeem grant, who can be a nice special teams player and give you a couple snaps as a receiver. I just, I still think it's one of the bottom third wide receiver groups in the NFL. It's just, yeah. I don't think you can argue anything other than that. So they need to add more. And if you really wanted to like look at positions at which we all thought they could get hungry for, it would be one of the tier one group of receivers, right? Like if maybe for some odd reason, Chris Olave slips or um, Traylon Burke slips. I, I think those are your most realistic slip type guys. Yeah. So those two kind of ring a bell, but I, this was my thought before Ian, the chiefs traded Tyree kill and gathered another end of the first round pick. And the same for um, the back, you know, the same too, for yeah. the Packers as well. So yeah, you're, you're, it's just, it's becoming less likely, I guess is the way to put it uh, in terms of that happening. So yeah, I, I, I don't know. I would, that's the position for me that rings a bell. I I guess if the right defensive end, like I I think Karloftis could be a guy that they would move up for there, but he I just can't imagine he gets there. But yeah, it, it I, you know you know it's the NFL draft. You never know. I nobody else really rings a bell for me in terms of like oh that guy might be there, and they're really hungry for this. Like yeah. wide receiver sort of is the spot that I was I was sitting there thinking would happen. Now they could get. I think the most logical thing is they could get hungrier on day two. Say, you know, um, Jahan Dotson slips to the second round, which I don't think that slip is the right word there. He's kind of projected early too. I, I think you could see him or Sky Moore be selected at the end of the first round with the Chiefs and Packers needing receivers. I don't think that's out of the the, the, the end of the first round is always filled with names where you're like, man, I got that guy in mock drafts all off season for mid-second round. You know, it just it, it always goes that way. So, I, I would think if they are in love with one of those guys, that's a spot where they can move into the top portion of the second round and potentially go about it that way, you know, and moving up to maybe pick 37 or 38. Um, but that's about it. I, I really do have a hard time and I don't see a bunch of desperation meeting 
the talent in this draft to move up into the end of the first for anything other than wide receiver, just unless they strike out on Clowney and they get really desperate. But then it's like, I feel like there's still some really good value picks there at 44 that you can have as an edge. So that's just kind of where I'm at. Unless we hear some buzz in a different direction, it really feels like they're going to be in the mood to gather more picks than give away picks to move up. That's just my hunch. Makes sense. Yeah, it's just a it's a weird edge class, uh, especially since uh, ever since Ojabo had that injury, I think that really changed how this edge class is going to look. Uh, maybe not in the Browns' favor. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, we are going to head out here shortly, a short show tonight, because obviously not too much happening aside from the bombshell punter news uh, with Corey Bajorquez. Uh, but I wanted to make sure we got to Doctor Nico's question here. Uh, can we go into the draft? without making another free agent signing on deal, without forcing a pick. This is something I think a lot of people are curious about. The Browns tend to want to fill all of their holes before the draft so they don't have to take any one position. Uh, it has worked out the past couple of years. They had a left tackle hole. Jedrick Hills was there. They had a corner hole. Greg Newsom was there. But probably not a situation you want to be in. Um, what do you think the strategy is? Do you have to aggressively pursue these positions before the draft? Well, I mean, I, I don't want to go into the draft with with holes. I don't. Yeah, that's a good point. I do. I do expect them. I think we've all been expecting things to be done by now. I do expect them to slowly fill those positions before the draft with people they feel better about than who's currently in house. So, yeah, I don't. Let, let me put it this way: I'd be surprised if they didn't make any changes along the D line before the draft. And if they didn't figure out one other wide receiver before the draft, I'd be I'd be surprised. Not impossible, but I would be pretty surprised uh, if that were to happen. Paul Spencer had another couple of questions. Uh, uh, Paul's on Twitter. Uh, does a he's, sure. he's just a great follow, and he's, he DMs me questions. So I wanted to answer Paul's questions. And anybody who ever has questions that you want answered on a show and you, you want to DM them, feel free. More than happy to answer them. Paul asked. If Clowney's open to coming back but wants to avoid training camp or at least some of it, can they make a deal public or otherwise that if he signs, the team won't require him to do all of that? I don't know that he wants to fully avoid training camp. He, I mean, he was at training camp last year, and he's been at training camps wherever he's gone. Maybe OTAs and things like that, it's possible. I have a hard time thinking they would do something behind the scenes, but they could, Paul. I mean, you know, they could say, something to avoid public backlash but then your teammates are going to wonder where you're at and it just would be it would be kind of strange not that he has to go that i'm expecting Clowney at his age and ability to go you know be a, a necessary part of otas and all of that stuff in minicamp but uh, i i don't think that they would be uh you know hiding that from the public necessarily or teammates but um they could just say hey you know you know where we are we know where you are let us know when you're ready. That could be a part of things. I think that's very realistic, at least in my opinion. So well, I, um, I think last year, and I think last year, Clowney spent a lot of uh, a lot of training camp on the bike. So that might yeah. Just, well, he was rehabbing it, that surgery for sure. So yeah. he didn't naturally didn't. You know, you can if you want to scrub up a way to get a guy out of camp. I mean, it ain't that hard. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. You can get a guy with a hammy, and that thing will linger for a couple months. Um, Especially if you're uh, if you're gonna pay him like twelve million, like he's asking for, you know, yeah, if, he's, yeah. if he's if he's tweaked his ankle, okay, we'll keep you out for a couple of weeks. Yeah, we don't we don't give you twelve million to participate in training in minicamp here. Um, otherwise, another good question from Paul is a question said since last year. Um, you know, uh, he's had since last year is the fact that it likely get loud pushback from Baker. So the question is. 
let me kind of try to phrase this the right way. The fact that he likely get loud pushback from Baker and his entourage and his huge fan base, did that have anything to do with Stefanski and Barry's decision not to sit Baker or perhaps encourage him to get season-ending surgery? I have said that all along. I think if they would have had Baker saying he's healthy to go, a doctor giving him clearance to play, and him, them deciding and, and Kevin deciding we are not going to play you, it would have been – we saw Mayfield make statements in public about I decide if I play. Yeah. There's not a doubt in my mind. A large part of that was they were unwilling to let that become public. Like him saying, I'm ready to play. I'm willing to play and being vocal about it. And yeah, I mean, I think we've, we've all seen now a little bit about Mayfield's entourage at this point and, and how uh, proactive they are in his every single piece of his name that gets discussed. So and and two, the fear of leaks getting out in the brown. And I don't I don't think that's a secret. I thought that was pretty well known when that was made public by an insider about the Browns don't like to have discussions with Mayfield because any discussion they have with him eventually hits the media um, from some source or the other. Maybe not Mayfield all the time, but somebody connected to him. So I definitely think there was there were people who were like, well, they just need to shut him up and sit him down and. Well, that would have turned really ugly because if Mayfield had clearance from a doctor is trying to be the tough guy, which again, kudos to him for trying to do that and doing everything he could have played through. But that's his nature is to be the tough guy. And he's saying things in public about I'm ready to play. I'm able to play. They won't play me. Then it's the Browns are benching their franchise quarterback, number one pick, and it gets even uglier. So I think it was truly as simple for Cleveland as he's, He's unable to hurt this thing in a worst fashion. He's healthy enough from a doctor's perspective to play with this harness. He wants to play. He's the best option we have in-house. We are going to play him. And yeah. if Mayfield would have been unwilling to play, if he would have been, I really don't feel comfortable doing this, they would not have forced him to play. They just, it's, it's impossible. They would not have forced him to play. It was Mayfield pushing to play. And that's okay if he wanted to play. If he got cleared and wanted to play, then he could play. And that's pretty much the decision that they made. You might not like it, and you might be telling them, well, they should have manned up and said don't play, but that's not how it goes. In your fantasy world, it does, but that's not how it goes when you're dealing with personalities and a pick, number one pick, that says he's willing and ready to play. So I'm kind of over-talking about that. I mean, just me personally, yeah. because it just doesn't matter anymore. But if you can't understand that, then you're you're just you you don't get how franchise dynamics work and egos in locker rooms like you just don't you don't understand it so yeah. that's okay you know you don't have to understand it or you don't have to believe me but the evidence is sitting right in front of you so you can either believe that the Stefanski and these guys are nefarious human beings who just wanted to go out and get Mayfield hurt and play him against his will uh, will or you can believe what's pretty obvious here so that's what I'll answer there so a couple good questions from Paul. Yeah, uh, definitely. It was an awkward situation throughout all of last year. I hated seeing towards the end of the year, people like all oh, the Browns did wrong by Mayfield by making him play. It was like, it's not, it's just not how the situation goes. No, and no. it's not, and it's not an injury that other people haven't played through. Mitch Trubisky played through it when he was like, and he was the rookie franchise guy. I think he was like his second year. He played through it. Trevor Lawrence played through his college career with a, uh, with a torn labrum in his non-throwing shoulder. And uh, he did good enough to be the best, you know, prospect since Andrew Luck. So yeah. it's, it, 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 it was such a, a annoying situation seeing all of the hot takes from people that didn't really understand it. Uh, a couple, couple questions, questions there. Yeah. Yeah. I saw those. Okay. I'll, Dr. I'll, I'll answer those. 
Sure. But, Dr. Yeah. Nico comes in. Uh, could you count on Ojabo to play this year or is he a 23 plus pick? Uh, we yeah. talked about this last year with Grant Delpit, right? With the Achilles injury where it's not even the first year back where they're really back. It's kind of the second year back from that Achilles injury. It is a really bad injury. Yep. And we're talking about Cam Akers and he came back early and that's great. But Cam Akers was pretty terrible uh, upon coming back. He was just <laughs> not effective whatsoever. So, like, that should be your sign that uh, David's a 23 player and beyond. I mean, 23, half of 23 into 24, like, yeah. there's a lot there. It's, it's just, like, I'm fi- I would be totally fine with the value of picking him where they pick him because you can come back and be a good player. But I'm not, I'm not sitting here banking on that sort of thing, and I don't, I, I, I don't think anyone else should. Yep. Uh, and then this is this is a big question. What do you think they're going to do with the earnest? Uh, you have a feeling, given how many wide receivers are kind of looking at uh, that Demetric Felton might be on his way to the running back room. Uh, where does that leave the earnest Johnson, who is, you know, a starting caliber running back, but he's just kind of buried right now. I don't know that the market is going to be hot for that player. I, I think he's going to stick it out in Cleveland and play for two million or so. And um I mean, I guess he could demand a trade. I, I, I would be surprised. Let's put it this way: I'd be surprised if he wasn't on the Browns roster next year. I, I think that the Browns know that they have one more year of, um, uh, Kareem Hunt, and and we know the injury volatility that comes with running backs. And I think that they would like to, in a go for everything they can get this year scenario, that they'll they'll keep Dearness. And you know, you never know when you need a guy who can do what he did in the later portions of the year. So uh, I would have no problem keeping him if it doesn't hinder too much of their off season cat plan. So yeah, I think he's going to be here. I, I think he's going to be here. And if he's not, then I'll be pretty surprised, but it also wouldn't be the end of the world. So my hunch is he'll stick around one more year. I mean, 2 million isn't, isn't too much more than the veteran minimum. I mean, obviously, no, and, and, and Nick's contract isn't very big yet. The cap hits not very big. So they yeah. don't have a ton committed to the running back room. Um, in general. So I, I think he'll be here. Yeah, makes sense. Um, <laughs> if that's a good question to end on Paul K. Spencer, how come all my mock drafts suck now? <laughs> this is, this is the downside of the Browns uh, trading firsts for the next three years. Mock drafts are going to be a little bit different. Uh, not going to have as many fun names at the top, but uh, you know, it'll, we the the upside of doing mock drafts as a Cleveland Browns fan for the next couple of years is we have JOK. So if you ever want a guy in the mid first round to slip down to your second round pick, and people get mad at you, just say, "Well, that's what JOK did," and, and now your <laughs> mock draft is valid. So uh, anything to keep an eye out uh, on the site uh, for coming from you, Jake, this week. Uh, anything that the uh, viewers should be watching for? Uh, not really, not entirely. It's going to be a light week because they haven't signed a ton of people. Can't really do a punter film breakdown, so that won't be happening. But probably touch on the importance of why they needed to add a punter with a bigger leg. And and based on his results last year, they were pretty strong. So something on that. But we have a fun idea coming up with the draft. 20 prospects in 20 days that we're going to get to that you should be paying attention to. Um, that will be coming up soon. And then, like you mentioned, when uh, when Barry's gone, I'll be taking over the newswire for about four days. So busy schedule as always. That's the that's the joy, right? Yep. Keep an eye out. Uh, <laughs> keep an eye out on the site. Got some new stuff approaching the draft uh, for the next couple of days. This is Edge Week. We will be talking about Edge options on the team and uh, people who could uh, end up coming on the team. So. Uh, Thanks for joining us tonight. I'll be back tomorrow. Uh, Jake will be doing uh, dueling mocks. Um, we will uh, 
We will see you then. Some more draft prospect talk, some more edge talk, probably some more talk about Logan Hall. We always end up talking about Logan Hall during those. So. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, thanks. Good show, Ian. Thanks for having yep. me, man. Yep. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us, everybody, in the chat. Thank you, OG Philly, for the five gifted subs. Thank you, Taco Cat, for the resub as well. We will see you guys tomorrow. Uh, have a wonderful day.